Hey, it's been about five minutes since we talked about Gen AI on the Learning Geeks, so we are way overdue. We're going to dive right back into the topic with a real polymath, our new friend, Connor Grennan, on this episode of the Learning Geeks podcast, starting now. Hey, boys. Hello. Welcome. Hello. Good to see you. Good to see you. How's everybody doing? Getting ready for the weekend. I think we say this every yeah. time. Uh, now that I've gone back in our episodes, I think we say it's Friday or it's almost the weekend. How so we need to come up with a new thing. We do. Yeah. Yeah, only three more days till Monday. <laughs> so excited. <laughs> That's really great. Well, you know what? Today, actually, I am, Jake, I don't know if you know this, Dana does, but... Um, I'm taking a nice long break at the end of the calendar year. And mm-hmm. so today is my first day of vacation. And about an hour ago, I was kind of sitting on the couch looking through things and started feeling a little bored. So. <laughs> well, and Jake, part of the reason part of the reason I know is because at the bottom of his email, out of office email, Bob says, if you have any questions, ask me. always. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my email is getting backlogged while his is getting. Aren't yeah. you going? Aren't you going on a trip? We are. You know what? Actually, this is great. We are going on a trip. We're going to leave in a few days, uh, a little bit over a week. We're gonna we're gonna go out to France. Um, nice. I'm going to spend my birthday at Disneyland like I usually do, but it's going to be the one in Paris instead of the one in Anaheim. Um, and it's awesome that we're talking about this now because I haven't told anybody in my my family. And so this will be a good test to see if they listen to the podcast, which they don't, they won't know. My family doesn't listen either. They won't know. So, yeah. Right. But I, you know, I expect to get a call from, from my sister. You know, when we had Heather on the other day, she was saying she was excited because she could share it with her mom, the podcast. Yeah. And I was laughing with her and I said, I don't think my mom knows I even have <laughs> a podcast. I really don't think so. She's I, I don't know if she knows what I do for a living. Yeah, least, yeah. You know, it's still hard to explain. And I'm confident she does know I well, do a podcast. Yeah. yeah. yeah so sure. years ago, right, when I was going into instructional design, I tell people, yeah, I'm going into instructional design. They say, oh, good. I need a new sofa picked out. No, no, no. <laughs> Different type of design. <laughs> well, hey, let's, with no further ado, let's bring in our guest. Jake, I'm going to ask you to introduce Connor. Uh, we, we might spend the rest of the podcast actually going through Connor's introduction because... Like I said before, it's pretty impressive resume. It is, yeah. Exactly. So he's ki- he's the kind of guy that I always wanted to be. So so Connor, if I when I go through this, I'm I am <laughs> definitely going to ask if I missed anything. But so anyway, so Connor and I met uh, on a previous talk that we gave um, that he gave on AI and thought it would be great to have him on the show. I think Connor has again has a great background, very interesting background, especially in the last year and a half. Is you know it was really has has changed a lot. But um, currently, in dean of students at NYU Stern School of Business, author, teacher, uh, LinkedIn instructor, host your own YouTube channel, and then also co-host the AI Applied podcast. Asking Connor to come on, we're definitely going to dive into Gen AI and get his thoughts specifically around the practical side, but thought it'd be great to have uh, Connor on to talk about his learner story him as a learner, especially again in the last year, year and a half when ChatGPT was released, he went all in, dove in, learned so much about it, not just about uh, the technology itself, but how to use it, how to apply it, and even how to teach it. Anyway, thank you, Connor, for joining and and joining the show. And uh, 
yeah, welcome on. And, and did I forget anything? You forgot? No, right? no, that's everything. That's, uh, yeah, thank you. It's a very kind introduction. No, that's great. Yeah. How did you even get involved in in this space? It's really interesting, given your background as a as a, as a teacher, as, as a um, as an author. What made this so interesting when ChatGPT came out? Yeah, so, um, you know, so first of all, I'm at Stern, and I... I don't teach formally, right? Sort of, I do a lot of coaching. I'm the I'm in the administrative uh, side of mm-hmm. things. I'm the dean of students uh, there. But the reason I got into it was, you know, my wife, as you mentioned, is at uh, is at McKinsey, and she does AI at McKinsey. ChatGPT came out about a year ago, and she was like, "Hey, you got to check this thing out." And I was like, "Well, what is it?" She's like, "Well, just just have to sort of see it for yourself." So I tried it, and at first I was like, "How am I supposed to use this thing?" But then I just kept on trying it and trying it and trying it, and I was like, "Whoa, this thing is actually really, really transformational." And uh, and so I thought immediately, "Okay." So first of all, I have kids, so a fourteen-year-old and a twelve-year-old. I'm like, "Okay," like plagiarism, right? Like raging through my brain. And so I'm like, "Okay." So first of all, everybody is in trouble. Uh, that's right. number one. But number two, I was thinking, look, we have all these MBA students and this is going to be, I saw right away. I'm like, this is going to be huge as everybody does. I'm like, let me build out a framework for how to teach our students because I don't see anybody doing it. This is back in like January. I don't see anybody doing with this, uh, doing anything with this. So, so that's kind of how I got started. And I built out a framework and then it started building from there. But it really started because I was like, this thing is crazy. Nobody's talking about it. And I think it's actually insanely powerful. And that sort of like kind of got me on the journey. Outside of just being super powerful, what were some of the first use cases that you you started to work into? Yeah, so it's funny that you say that, right? Like I was asking my wife, I'm like, how do I use this? She's like, well, I use it like 50 times a day. I'm like, well, how? She's like, I don't know. I just use it. I'm like, okay, that's not helpful. You know, so so because like she knows this space a little better. So I just kind of get on there. I'm like, well, what should I do? I did the first thing everybody does, which is write a poem about vampire butterflies on the moon. And, yeah. you know, and it did that really, really fast to the point where you're like, that was weird. You know what I mean? Like it's watching him, like watching a magician. And I kind of did that a couple of times. And then I was like, and I remember exactly where I was. I was on the, I was on the couch and, and then I was like, well, if it knows that, I wonder if it knows something more sophisticated, like string theory. So I was like, okay, explain string theory to me. So it did that, but I'm like, okay. Uh, but I don't get it. Can you explain it a little more simply? Right. And it was like, sure. And all this sounds really rudimentary now, but back then we didn't yeah, revolutionary. Know. It was yeah. revolutionary. Mm-hmm. Right. And then it was like, it did that. And then I'm like, well, can you explain string theory, you know, in a, like in a poem? And again, everybody knows like, yeah, yeah. But back then it felt, I was like, whoa, what is this? So I'm like, well, can I do this? Can I do this? And I kept on asking it for more and more things. And then uh, I realized I sort of like, you know, emailed my you know boss at Stern. I was like, hey, w- people need to learn this like right away. Like, and we need to sort of change yeah. the way we're teaching. We need to change the way we're doing everything. But I didn't really know how. And that set me off on um, just a really, really fun learning journey, which we can talk about because it, it really evolved and everything like that. But it it was sort of this, and then sort of like the, it kind of got big because I put it on LinkedIn as a learner rather than as an expert. And let me just say mm. one other thing about that, actually, if that's okay. So when I, when I found out like what this thing was, I'm like, well, let me go figure out really what it is, right? Because it's one thing to mess around with something, but then you sort of like want to go and like read about it. So I'm like, well, yeah. where can I read about it? The answer was nowhere. <laughs> Nobody was writing. I mean, everybody was writing about it, but in like the media, right? There was no user manual. By the way, there's still no user manual, which is interesting. So what <laughs> happened was I got to Stern and, and just by chance, um, a couple of professors who are, you know, in the machine learning space, brilliant machine learners, 
We're like, well, we're going to give a faculty presentation on this. I was like, great. So I went up, people I really respect, I know them, they're geniuses. And the way they started talking about it was very normal. It was like, so let's describe what this thing is. And here's how neural networks work. And here's how this does it. And this is, it predicts the next, it started doing all that. And I'm sitting there and everybody else, I don't know how everybody else was reacting, but this is exactly what they intended to do. These are machine learning, uh, you know, brilliant uh, Mm -hmm. people, top of their field, all that kind of stuff. But I'm sitting here and being like, that is not my experience with it at all. My experience with this has nothing to do with neural networks or anything else. This has like, this is actually doing stuff for me. And also, I don't need to know anything to use it. So while it was all interesting, what I was getting right away was this sense of, it's sort of like if you want to get in shape and the person who's teaching you or training you is like this super buff guy's like, you could be just like me. I'm like, no, I can't. Do you know what I mean? Like, so when you had a machine learner up there, that's one thing. <laughs> I want the guy who's like just getting into shape. He's like, hey, man, I was just like you like two months ago. That's who I want to talk to. And I'm like, I think that this space at Stern, and then this, I tested this theory on LinkedIn. I was like, I think what this space is missing is somebody who's been like, I don't know what this is, but here's what I'm learning. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I feel my, my personally, I, I actually wanted to know what it was behind it. Mm-hmm. But then I realized that I kind of fell away from it quickly at the beginning because you get really quick into the specifics, the, the technical side of it. And it was really, really interesting. I really love the fact of how it's thinking through data and, and working through that. But then I was getting away from the application and so I wasn't actually mm-hmm. using it at all. I don't know. I'm curious, like out of Bob or Dana, how it was for you guys or if you guys just jumped right in. Well, I don't need to know how my car works in order to be able to drive it. I know. Right, I, right? I have a problem. And, and though. I certainly can't <laughs> fix it. I right. certainly can't fix my car. Um, I, I So much very similar to my experience, Connor. Like, And string theory was the, the use case I used for this too. To, yeah. So, you know, because that's such a good thing of something that is hard to get your arms around. And watching it try to do that, which also kind of talks about my experience so far with Gen AI. It's just like every time I feel like I've got my arms around what it is and how I can use it and and what our plan should be, something changes in the industry. It's kind of like trying to chase an eel. Like every time you get your hands around the eel, it squeezes out and slimes its way forward and moves forward. You have to catch it again. And so... um, yeah, it, it so much feels like uh, the more I learn about it, the less I know about it. But but again, just trying things and seeing how they work. And, and even just like, it, it's kind of dating the recording time of our podcast. But, you know, just in the last couple of weeks where now with ChatGPT, I think it's just with ChatGPT4 if you pay for it, which I do, um, that it can search the web for you and it automatically it'll go right and generate images for you without you having to do a double step. Yeah. You know, and and now me being able to say to chat GPT, something like, Hey, I'm planning a trip to Tokyo in 2025 for a particular conference. Like, can you help me find travel plans right away? Like a reasonable airfare and reasonable hotel room. And it comes up with good stuff. Like, couldn't do that just a couple of weeks ago, right? You would get the, I'm only trained up through September, 2021 message. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's just continuing to evolve. So Jake, my early experimenting was um, on on things around Route 66. I'm pointing to that on my, my camera. Cause I, 
I've traveled most of Route 66 and I just enjoy the nostalgia around that. And so I've, I'm somewhat of an expert. So I wanted to see how accurate it would be. Hmm. So I, I had it write uh, an article on Route 66. And I realized that it left off some critical things like um, the when Disney Pixar was, uh, when they were creating cars, right? There's there's an association. So I added asked it to add that. So it added that in. And I said, now, if I were teaching a course on Route 66, could you provide me an outline? So then it did that, right? And I said, okay, now I want this to be an active course. So then it created some activities around that. And then I, I need some clear objectives. And so I kind of went down that hole to just see how far I could get. And um, it was actually, to me, it was pretty invigorating to see. And again, this was, you know, January, February, that, that type of experimentation. Now, now it can go a whole lot further than that. Right. Connor, when it comes to you as a learner, not just from learning Gen AI, but even for your other things that you're learning now, like what does that look like? What are some use cases of, are, do you even think about it anymore as much as you used to? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you were to kind of stop and think about how you do use it, what are how are you using it from a, a learning side to get more out of your your learning? Yeah, no, it's a good question because it does actually feel almost like invisible now, right? So, but here's the thing that I, that, that so, so I do a lot of training for companies, um, you know, as I, as you sort of, uh, I think mentioned, um, and, you know, so I build out a framework and all that kind of stuff for learning. But here's the really interesting thing. So the first part of this, you know, framework essentially is around learning. And it's, you know, it's kind of, it goes in a lot of different directions, all that kind of stuff. But I just want to focus on one element of it, which is that, I believe that humans are pretty bad learners. And this is just my own theory. But why are we bad learners? I believe we're bad learners because we don't ask dumb questions. So why don't we ask dumb Mm. questions? And the reason we don't ask dumb questions is that evolutionarily speaking, we are a social animal. And, you know, you want to sort of be seen as valuable, either you're, you're hunting or something like that, or you're intelligent. And so people will kind of keep you in the group. So anybody that says, oh, I don't mind asking dumb questions, I would sort of like call their bluff on that and say, that's probably true in a lot of the contexts that you work in because you probably feel very comfortable around you know your coworkers or around your family or something like that. But you don't go into uh, sort of a setting where you really care about your status, where people are expecting you to be an expert and ask a lot of dumb questions for a very, very human reason. So to give you a sense of like how this all started, because I was going crazy on this very early on, I was trying to figure out, um, like, so I asked my friend who, you know, is super techie and I was, I was texting him in these very early days. I was like, Hey, how are you, are you using generative AI? It's that, right. It was that kind of question. And he was like, yeah, actually I have an open AI API. And I was like, okay, I don't know what that is. Right. So like, so I'm, this is, you know, back in the time. And I was like, uh, so, but instead of, um, so here's the, the way that the, um, conversation went, right? I was like, oh, wait, I'm not sure what that is, right? And he's like, oh, well, you know, like, you know how the internet works. I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay, so uh, essentially, it's sort of like an API is sort of an interface between the server where all the information is, and then like the, you know, the client, it's kind of like, it's a way to get you that information. I was like, okay, cool. Now, I walked away from that conversation or that text. I knew a little bit more about an API, but did I actually understand it? No. Why? Because if you gave me truth serum, that conversation would have looked like this. Uh, sure, I can explain API, Connor. Well, you know how the internet works. No, I have no idea. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, uh, you know, kind of like sends in, you know, information and packets and protocols. I don't know what you mean by that. What do you mean by protocols? So protocols are just rules. Yeah, I know that, but what do you mean in this case? Okay, right. So my friend 
would not be eager to text me back about things, right? Because all of a sudden he thought <laughs> yeah. he was going to answer a two-second question. He's on there for 25 minutes trying to explain the internet, to, right? That's because I have a basic human survival instinct of I need to stay in this group and I need my friend to think at least somewhat <laughs> highly of me. Now, why is that relevant? That's relevant because ChatGPT has no such judgmental right. DNA. It doesn't care. So mm -hmm. I can say, what's an API? Here it is. Explain it in terms of a garden. Great. Now here it is. Okay. So now explain. Okay. You said, let's take a waiter, but what's the server? I don't really understand even what a server is. The server says, okay, is a server like have software? On it? Well, here's, well, how does that data get onto that server? And what I found was about after 45 minutes or maybe half an hour in this case, you know, I actually really understood deeply in a way that I never expected to in my life, understood what an API was and how the internet worked and all that kind of stuff. So then I texted back my friend and said, oh, that's cool. So you're using it. And I said something smart. He's like, yeah, man. Yeah. And like he thought I understood. So he starts saying, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I got to go to bed. I'm an awesome teacher. This <laughs> right. is great. Yeah. But to that point, it kind of goes to the whole point of this podcast and what we're talking about. There's a reason why we're bad learners. And ChatGPT does away with that reason. And that to me is transformational. Yeah, it takes out that social stigma. Yes. Interesting. So, so Connor, I just went out and I created a user guide for ChatGPT uh, in the voice of Dr. Seuss, just <laughs> for fun. Great. <laughs> so you said there was none out there, but there is one out there. Now. Yes, there's always one, the Dr. Seuss guide <laughs> <for> ChatGPT. <laughs> yeah. Let's get started on this journey so sweet. <laughs> yeah. Right. That, I, that's threatening to me because I like to write Dr. Seuss style rhymes. I've yes. done that a lot in the past. And, you know, now, you know, I can't get paid for doing that anymore. Hey, I get asked actually a lot about like, is this going to, I get asked, you know, is this going to do away with writing? And I'm a writer by background. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm like, you know, look, I hope not, but I don't know <laughs> to be totally honest, yeah. right? Because I mean, yeah. the way that this can create is extraordinary. Now, can it create great stuff. It depends. Right. I mean, but like I try to, I've tried to sort of like automate processes for myself. I post a lot on LinkedIn. I kind of live there and uh, you know, and it can't write me a good LinkedIn post unless I want to do something super generic or it can help me iterate and come up with sort of like good ways to format it or like, Hey, what are three mm -hmm. things I'm not thinking about that kind of thing. But, but to me, just as a writer, and this is not as important to everybody else, my voice is very important in that way. So I can't use it for that, but I'm sure that tons and tons of people who do not care at all for writing, right. are just going to be like, well, here you go. So will it diminish that? Yeah, it will. I think. I agree. I feel even for this podcast, I've actually tried to use it for show notes and, and other things are creating titles. Uh, that's another one. And yeah. I don't think I've ever used it perfectly though, but what it did has done really well is give me ideas. Yeah. And so, yeah. and then, but I, I also, Bob and Dana know this. I, I always send them, a text when I'm editing and then they come up with some ideas and then I asked chat GPT ideas as well. And then I pretty much just merge, yeah. merge them up, yeah. but it gives me, it actually reduces my time dramatically personally, because I'm, I'm just thinking less on something that I don't, I still care. We still care about the title. Don't get me wrong, but it's uh, it at least simplifies the thinking too much about something and then you can just go in, in circles for so long. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Yeah. Connor, when you're sharing uh, what your insights with other people, what are some of the more challenging concepts to get across or the more challenging opportunities to get across? Yeah, you know, it's a good question. So um, 
Well, let me say this. When I first started sharing, I think my first LinkedIn post on this was something like, hey, I'm not a tech person, so don't take my word for it here, but this is just what I'm learning. And those posts all just went insanely viral, like millions of views. Hmm. And the reason was, I think, that sort of, you know, it's kind of how we're talking about like wanting to learn fitness from somebody who kind of, you can sort of like imagine yourself actually being that person yeah. rather than, you know, Michael Jordan teaching you basketball, right? It's like, okay, but I'd rather have a ninth grade basketball coach teaching me basketball, you know? So, um, so I think number one, I think that it was helpful for people to hear, Hey, this is sort of somebody kind of like relatable doing that. Right. So it's the same thing. I'll say one other thing before I answer the the question, which is uh, I wrote a I wrote a memoir, and I think the reason that it was it it did well was that uh, you know I had kept it, it was I was in Nepal and I kept a journal all along the way, and so everything that I was writing about was had I had already captured how I felt in that moment, so it wasn't like the jaded me. It was like the really like oh my gosh, look at that bus. There's 40 people riding on top of the bus. Whereas if I went, I spent a lot of time in Nepal. Like if I went back two years later, it wouldn't even occur to me that that was strange. So I think that the, one of the keys to learning is like bringing people along that journey and the the wow moments and everything else. And so just by accident, because I didn't know what these were, like that's how I was talking about it. Whereas a machine learner probably would have been talking about it differently. So when I was kind of, you know, when I think back and think like, what are the hard things for people to understand? I think they're sort of the same today. I mean, number one, but I think a lot of people are past it was, is this really something different and special? And I think that now I think people are kind of on board with that, right? But uh, but back then, you know, they weren't. They were like, well, it's just like Google or it's like, oh, great, you can search a PDF. So basically it's like control F for a PDF. I literally had somebody, a very high ranking person say that to me. I'm like, but it's not like that. So, uh, <laughs> but that's because they never tried it. So first you have to try it. But I think the single hardest thing for people to get their heads around is also the easiest, which is that there is no learning curve to it. And um, the only thing that's important about it is to speak to it like a human. And so when I right. do trainings for companies, uh, the, the the first giant part, I do a lot of keynote speaking for you know, CDOs and companies, uh, CEOs and co companies and things like that. And in this talk that I give, I literally just got off one, <laughs> literally just now for this big private equity group. The reason why that is so interesting to me is that it's here for the taking. You don't have to, it's completely accessible. It's not like French or calculus or anything like that where you have to learn something. That's critical. And so, but I end up spending a lot of time purposefully talking to people about why that is and also talking a lot about how the brain works. Because if it's so easy, just talk to it like a human, why shouldn't we all be going crazy on it? Well, the reason, the reason is that your brain is very good at things like pattern, prediction, automation, things like that. And when your brain sees ChatGPT, your brain has a very hard time in the same reason, for the same reason it's hard to talk to a baby like a college professor. It has a hard time doing that because you've automated a way to talk to your screen and it is not like a human. It's one of two things. It's either, you know, whatever, like a computer, but more importantly, it's probably like Google because that is just how your brain, it's anybody like if you've, you know, if you've commuting the same way for 20 years, you're making that left out of your driveway, right? Your brain sees Google. It's like, I know what it is because your brain has automated that process to free up your prefrontal cortex. So it has automated that process. So you start treating it like Google, which is very command response, command response, mm -hmm. which is fine, but it is, and you will get something from it and it's more valuable. Well, it didn't used to be because of hallucinations. It's, it, it's more valuable now because it's telling you the natural language. You don't have to search through the links and documents, all that kind of stuff. 
but you're certainly, it's like using your iPhone as a flashlight. It's like, yeah, it can do that. It's great. I love, I use my iPhone as a flashlight all the time, but it can do other things, you know? Yeah. I, I find my background as kind of a techie guy with a programming background and somebody who like really knows how to use Google pretty well and find what he's looking for on the internet. My ability to use ChatGPT effectively is way less than like my wife when I showed it to my wife, you know, and, and I'm always helping her. Like, how do you formulate a Google search to find what she wants? what she wants. But once she got on ChatGPT, she's just off to the races. Right. Because that is what she's doing. She's talking to it like she asks me to find something for her. So can, can I just, have a hard yes. time getting my brain into that mode. Uh, so just to double click on that for a second, that's one of the early things I said, which is like the people who do well on this are like English majors. You know what I mean? Like, and the, and the, and the second thing, and I mean that really literally, like that is the, be the best people to do this so why do kids do so well on this? Kids do so well with this thing is because they're like, hey, I wonder if I can do this, right? So just a quick story on that. My son is 14. You know, the school banned it right away, understandably. And so I got him like a used MacBook Pro, like an old one. And I was like, look, I need you to figure out how to use this because this is going to be really important. And literally like an hour, he comes back to me and he's like, hey, so, you know, we had this assignment about like learning about um, German immigrants coming to New York in the 1850s or whatever. And which maybe you guys are history buffs. That sounds unbelievably boring to me. Like I get it in theory, but like, <laughs> holy cow. And so he's like, so what he did, he shows me this whole conversation. This is with ChatGPT 3.5. And he's like, check this out. And he's like, hey, you know, act like a, I want you to pretend you're a German immigrant getting off the boat in 1850. Mm -hmm. And it's like, mm -hmm. hey, Finn, my son's name is Finn. It's like, hey, Finn, I'm Henrik, blah, blah, blah. And I've come a blah, blah. And I've just left my family and whatever. I've just gotten off the boat. Nice to meet you. And Finn's like, okay, where, what do you see around you? Well, I see these horses, blah, blah. What do you smell? I smell this. Where are you going right now? Well, I'm going to the Lower East Side. I know that's where I can find a tenement house. Okay, let's go there. I said, okay, I go there. Okay, walk in. Who's in there? Oh, it's Mrs. Williamson. And she's so, she's so kind. She speaks a few words of German and she gave me this. Okay, what are you going to do tomorrow? Let's pretend it's tomorrow. Oh, it's tomorrow. I have to go to work. Where are you going to go? Well, there's this factory in the, what they call the meatpacking district. I'm that's interesting. And I did this with yeah. biology and English and, you know, uh, earth sciences. I, and I have all these like different ways of doing it, but that's interesting. And to your point about your wife, it's like, if you can get out of like, well, how does this thing work? And just be like, Hey man, you have somebody that you can talk to. Who's like brilliant. So talk to them. So this is kind of a related question, but because of the perceived simplicity, how do you get people to push the limits? I mean, that, that's kind of what we're hitting on, right? Are there other ways that you can get people to push the limits on the tool? It is really, really hard. You have to get them in a different mode of thinking completely. And that mode of thinking is uh, forget about, you know, forget about sort of what you would use a tool for and just think, what do you need to do, right? So it's maybe think about your iPhone mm -hmm. for a second. Like your iPhone can do a million things, but I don't know how many apps there are, but it's got to be uh, seven figures, right? I mean, like it's it's millions of apps, probably, right? So, so if you think like, well, I could use that app, that app, then what you happen, what happens is you just get kind of like FOMO, right? It's like, oh, I, what else am I missing? What else am I missing? Right? That's a question I get all the time. How do we keep up? There's so much we're missing. It's a good question. But instead, if you're just like, you know, you're you're, this is why people use the flashlight. It's like, well, right now I need a flashlight. It's like, great, right? Or right now I need to text somebody. Great. Or it's actually like, you know what? Right now I'm, I need my book. It's like, oh, well, there's a Kindle app. You know what? I'm really bored. Or actually right now I need a taxi. Oh, you know what? There's an Uber app. What do you need to do? Forget about what the tool can do. What do you need to do? And that's how I sort of like push people past it. You know, on a side note with the flashlight thing, uh, yesterday, my youngest friend, she comes to 
comes to me and said, hey, we're going on a field trip tomorrow and we need a flashlight and this. And I looked at my, I, was, I looked at my wife. I'm like, uh, <laughs> I don't think I have a flashlight because I, I use my phone all the time. I do, but not one with batteries because it needs some batteries I never store. Anyway, it made me think of that because I've gotten so used to my phone now That's funny. and then even my watch, my, my yes. ultra watch, which, which has like a great flashlight, great flashlight on it. Yeah, so just kind of looking at the clock uh, on the wall, um, I, I did want, Connor, to ask you just one last thing. Of course, we're in the corporate education space, but we also just, we think of education in general. There's many things, but where do you see kind of going forward the next steps, the the next disruptions, or at least where you're already starting to see either higher ed, K through 12, or even those that you've talked with in, in corporations what do you see is changing or what's going to be the next thing that we have to pay attention to that could change the way that we've always done things around Gen AI? You know, yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I mean, the, the truth is that I think it's really understanding this better. I, and now I, I, there's obviously like new tools and all that kind of stuff, but I, I don't want to get tool FOMO here, right? So um, mm-hmm. essentially, like when I'm working with companies, so the way that I do it anyway is I'm like, you just have to understand it. So for example, there's like Microsoft Copilot, things like that, like new yeah. tools being built into your software. That's great. But my my worry, because I hear it from companies I work with, is like, well, this is, we now have like an AI strategy because it's like, that's not an AI strategy, right? Like the AI strategy, like I would say the chief learning officer should be like, I mean, sorry, the chief AI officer should be more like a chief learning officer, chief productivity person, because it doesn't actually really have to do with tech. And so what I say is like, here's how you do it, right? So I always work with the top first so that the C-suite and leadership understands what the new benchmarks are. And I walk them through the new way of thinking, the new mindset on it, like, here's how you do it, right? And here's what it looks like. Because you have to understand, you can't just say like, hey, people go and use it. You have to understand that because nobody's going to follow new benchmarks unless you at the top set the new benchmarks for the organization. And this is agnostic to department, industry, company, et cetera. And then the next thing is like your, you know, your VPs, MDs, whatever it is, have to understand because they'll understand what the teams are actually going to do. They understand the tasks, all that kind of stuff. And only then do you go to the people. And this is really critical. You have to be able to inspire the workforce because it's sort of like if you were doing like office against office, like weight loss competition, like you just have to hope that everybody in your office is going home and not eating donuts. But there is no way to (laughs) check, right? There's no way to check. Right. But with generative AI, right now what's happening is that you have maybe 10% of the workforce or maybe more like 30% of the workforce using it. But that leaves like 70% of the workforce who are still kind of doing their nine to five. Companies are made up of individuals. It's not monoliths. And so you have some people secretly finishing their day three hours early with a higher uh, quality of product, right? So instead, what you do after that, after the benchmarks are set and after the team understands their roles is inspiring them. And I really do believe deeply that we are at a moment in time where the interests of the company and the interests of, uh, you know, the people in the company are really aligned because the company wants everybody to be more productive. And the people, this is not like Salesforce. Nobody's taking Salesforce home and using it to improve their lives. When people really learn this, because there's no learning curve, the dopamine hits come exactly like very, very quickly, right? It's not like getting on a treadmill and trying to sort of get into shape. That's very painful. Your brain's like, no thanks. With this, it's very, very different. And so basically what what, I'm just talking about what I do, like go in and inspire those workforces. And I mean, it's transformational. And then all of a sudden people like really want to use it because they're like, oh my gosh, all these mundane tasks I don't have to do anymore. And I can shrink Mm -hmm. this down. I can work on the exciting stuff and I can use this at home. And this is a great skill for the future. And I can bubble... You know what I'm saying? So like, it's really sort of like a strategic way of interacting with this. And that's what I think is next. I don't even think it's the next tool as much as it is the next, the companies that are going to succeed are the companies that get that right in my mind. 
Well, Connor, that's inspiring for me. And just, just that whole idea of, you know, get out of the way of yourself here and just focus on the results, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. don't worry so much about the mechanics behind it. Focus on what is it that you need? What do you need to have done? And just start asking it for help. Amazing. Yep. Totally agree. That's great. That's great. Connor, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate yeah, it. Thanks, Connor. It's great to meet you. Hope thanks. to have you on again sometime. Yeah, Are thanks. I, I, I love your guys' work. Uh, this has been super fun. Thanks, guys. Well, that's thanks, great. Connor. Appreciate it. Appreciate that so much. Jake, Dana, as always, thank you for a fun one. Well, thank you. And to our listeners, thank you so much. Remember, if you haven't already, to hit like and surprise, it's, it's subscribe. It's still just like surprise. I didn't know that's surprise. a new button. Yeah, like it is. That's the new thing. Thanks to oh, Gen okay. AI. All right. I didn't know. You can now, you can okay. like, you can subscribe and you can say surprise. surprise. And surprise <laughs> means you subscribe to someone else's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> or then at like three in the morning, you're going to get a call from one of us. We're going to say surprise. <laughs> Hello. But no, we're happy to be here. Uh, we'll be back with another episode of the Learning Geeks podcast. Until then, stay geeky. Bye-bye. Thanks, everybody.